Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining another episode of Tiger Paw Radio, the program where we explore all the opportunities that Convergence is bringing us, uh, both in the managed print, uh, the imaging channel, and the managed services space. So I'm very excited about the episode that we have today. Uh, we're going to be tackling uh, the idea of managed print and off-squibit dealers uh, offering managed services. And this is something that's been talked about in our space for quite a number of years. Um, and there are some organizations that are doing a bang-up job of it, and most companies uh, aren't. And uh, obviously, I'm a big convergence enthusiast. I've been working with customers in the managed print space, and now obviously in the managed services space, uh, trying to figure out why some are having success, and if this is something that is going to be uh, just an opportunity for the chosen few, or if it's something that's you know, going to be available for uh, our channel uh, for additional growth. Uh, to get things started, obviously myself, Wes McDonald, uh, one of your hosts. I am the Vice President of Business Development at Tiger Paws Software. I'm a huge convergence enthusiast. And uh, one thing you may not know um, about me is that I'm also an identical twin. And I actually ran into my, uh, somebody that knew my twin brother at a show in Vegas. Uh, they came up and gave me a big hug and I had no idea who they were. And uh, so it was quite a few laughs after that happened. So I'd like to introduce my uh, co-host, James Foxall, if you'd be kind enough to introduce yourself. Sure. I'm James Foxall. I'm the president and CEO of Tigerpaw. We've been around <coughs> since 1984, uh, primarily focused on the managed services side. We got our start in the early days with telecoms, automating businesses that sold phone systems. Uh, and we're around as most of those guys transitioned in the late 90s and early 2000s into managed services. And, you know, watching that pattern and seeing the parallels that we see in the office equipment dealer space, um, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's almost just seeing the same thing happening over again, which is what got us excited to come into this space because we think we can provide some tremendous value in helping people make that move. Uh, one interesting fact about me is I'm a gamer. Uh, people wonder how I have time to game, but I don't watch television. So zero TV for me. Uh, my favorite game is Blackout. But the most fun I have, my son's off at college. His best friend is in uh, Chicago at college. And sometimes you'll find me, my son, him, and his dad, who's up in Wisconsin. So the two dads and the two college kids all online playing games together, which is just a, it's a blast. I love it. And yeah, the family that games together stays together, right? And It's uh, actually true. We could have a whole <laughs> podcast on that. <laughs> <laughs> I had an absolute blast at your place uh, doing virtual reality. I felt sick for about two hours afterwards, but what an incredible experience. Hey, flying spaceships isn't for the faint of heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got to get your sea legs. And uh, the two guests that we have in today's program, wow, I mean, they hardly need introduction. Um, if you don't know who they are, uh, then you're not in the Office Equipment Channel. So what I'm going to do first, uh, we have both Bill McLaughlin and Jeff Gow on the call today, just a powerhouse, a couple of folks to help us through this podcast. Uh, so maybe, Jeff, we'll start with you. You can do an introduction and, and just tell us one interesting thing about yourself that people may not know. Sure will. Um, well, first of all, I started in 1984 in the industry, too, same time that uh, TigerPod did. And when I joined Marco back in 1984 as a sales guy, our economic engine was typewriters. I was selling <laughs> office furniture, and office products was the biggest part of our business. Today, we don't sell office furniture, we don't sell office supplies, and there are no typewriters. Good news, I'm still here, and so is the company. Um, <laughs> I became uh, president 
in 03 and CEO in 06, and um, I've been uh, uh, working toward transitioning the company over that, that period of time. We've been quite successful at it. But uh, one interesting fact about me um, that people might not know is I really like the shop, and in particularly, I like shoes. I probably have 100 pair of shoes. And so wow. I'm a, I, um, yeah, that's what I like, and so that's my deal. I love it. Two feet, a hundred shoes. So I'm gonna have to. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite pair? Well, you know, I like Johnson Murphy, and I get into airports a lot. And as you know, they're in airports, and so that's really tricky for me to have the discipline to walk by a Johnson Murphy store. And uh, and uh, I think people know I'm 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 pretty good at picking up the shoes, and and I like to buy it from Fred's too. So you know, I might get you a pair. You never know. <laughs> well, that's great. And our other guest that we have uh, for today's podcast is Bill McLaughlin. So, Bill, if you could introduce yourself. Ed, thanks, uh, Wes. I appreciate you inviting me. So, Bill McLaughlin, I am the Chief Technology Officer for Atlantic Tomorrow's Office. Uh, I have not been in the industry since 84. In fact, in 84, I was in first grade. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, guys. <laughs> and, the youngest one of us, I think, on the call, for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that people may or may not know about me is uh, I have a, a, a passion for uh, the Jillian Fund. It is a, a fund that I helped to co-found uh, and am the chairman of with a, a friend of mine, uh, George Gorman, and, and we focus on helping families whose children are a critical time of need. So. Um, would like to take a moment just to be evangelical and get the word out there about the Jillian Fund. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's always a good day for doing good, right? So for anyone listening to the podcast, uh, the Jillian Fund is a phenomenal organization. Uh, they've done a phenomenal amount of good for you know people to make sure their families are together when people are in need. I've, I've watched it for years. I love watching uh, the pictures come back uh, from the ride uh, for Jillian as well. So yeah, fantastic, you know, fantastic effort. And a little known fact as well that I have to share too, because Bill McLaughlin and I actually did work together for a short time, and the organization I was at, you left actually to go to Atlantic, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. All right. So one of the first things I want to talk to, uh, the reason I have you both on this call today, you know, I cannot tell you the number of times I'm out at industry events or uh, speaking with office equipment dealers, and they say, no, you know, this managed services thing is... You know, it's ridiculous. You can't make money at it. Um, it's just a distraction from, you know, the world of managed print. And uh, for both of your organizations at Atlantic and Marco, you have done a, you know, phenomenal job of building those sides of the, of the business, right? So when we're thinking of, you know, being successful, why are you successful when so many people, you know, think it's just a distraction? And maybe, maybe Bill, I'll, I'll launch that one to you first. Sure. So first and foremost, it's, it's the people. Um, you got to make sure that you have the right people in the right place. And I also believe that uh, giving them uh, the ability to feel empowered is, is most important. Um, second is as an organization from the, from the top down, um, you have to be committed. I don't believe it's something that you can uh, kind of jump into the shallow end, either either you're in or you're out. Um, so making sure that the, the, the company, the organization, the people, leadership, everybody is committed, and then it's very important to make sure that you, you put the right people in the right place and they understand what the mission is, they understand what the intent is, and uh, it's not something that happens overnight. Um, there is a learning curve, 
and uh, you know you, you have to be patient and, and in this business, especially on the imaging side, uh, historically speaking, we're, we're all used to living in a, in a 30 day window. Um, this isn't a 30 day window. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different type of sale. It's a different type of sales process. But, but having said that, I do think it's important to understand that the two worlds um, play very well together in the same sandbox. Hmm. Um, and if you find that, if you find that balance, um, I think that's really where the magic uh, happens, and that's when you start to really see, um, you know, growth take place. Yeah, and, you know, and certainly Atlantic has seen that growth uh, take place, and I was fortunate enough to visit uh, your location uh, one time. It's a number of years ago, you know, seeing the NOC location and everything else, and I was just amazed um, at the success that you guys were driving with that managed services business. So, so Jeff, you know, Bill says that it's, that it's people, uh, that you have to have patience, that you've got to be, you know, kind of all in. What about from your own experience? How have, how have you helped Marco to succeed so well with managed services? Mm -hmm. First of all, Bill's right, and um, and so many times it gets down to the people. It, to me, it's it's probably three things: people, money, and execution. And that's most leadership, but it it really applies here. So the people part, you know, until you really designate a leader, and somebody gets up in the morning every single day thinking about it. Um, I think you're, you're, you're probably not going to make it. You need to have somebody designated in that role. The money part, you know, people, it, it all sounds good as dealers until you have to write checks. Uh, and, um, uh. and this is about investments. Investments mean upfront money before you get a return. And so to Bill's point, you need to be patient. So you need to um, invest in monitoring tools, sales compensation plans, marketing, leadership compensation. So don't be afraid to put... Uh, costs in front of that revenue and, and stay committed to it, as Bill said. And then execution. You know, um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, execution is king. You need to be relentless in visibility and ranking, reporting, keeping score. Um, you got to benchmark, but um, you got to focus on activities almost before you do numbers. And so celebrations look different than they did when you had a big takedown for a phone system or large copier deal or something like that. So you're celebrating different things. So I think um, it gets down to, as it always does, people, money, and execution. And uh, that, that's where I would really, really hone in on, on that discipline in those categories. Well, and maybe I can ask you both, like what percentages of your businesses would you say are, you know, managed services today? Um, if, um, this, we're, we're a little over $400 million today, about... 200 million is IT services and managed oh, wow. services is roughly mm, 65 million, I suppose. So clearly, this is not uh, not a hobby. And how about you, Bill? No. <laughs> so um, we'll finish our fiscal year August 31st around 165 million, and uh, our managed services business um we'll, we'll end at about 25 million we've been at this now for about eight years um, and out of that 25 million um, we're at about 65 to 70 percent um which is reoccurring revenue so it's it's not selling big hardware it's not selling big projects it's it's what we call you know true um green if you will managed services and, and Jeff, does it look the same in your side of the business? Is it mostly yeah. a recurring revenue model? Yes. The, the, um, you know, if you, if you build your managed services portfolio, um, I don't mind selling the hardware, right? 
But um, if you have hardware clients that are never going to be managed services prospects, then I, I probably won't be in that into hardware game with them. So, yeah, I would say of our 200 million in services, I mean, of IT services, probably 100 of that is uh, contracted in what we would consider, you know, uh, IT or uh, managed services. There's another big part of that called subscription uh, services, which is, you know, from your from your hardware companies. You know that's that's not a bad business either. You can mm -hmm. run, uh, you know, that's a lower margin but very recurring and, and, and pretty decent. So there's another component there. That's about 30 million of of, uh, of that 200 also. So that's a good piece. So and I have heard of that. I mean, it's kind of the entering the world of everything as a service. So you did mention that margins are uh, lower uh, for doing that with hardware, but it sounds like you guys are booking a good you know piece of business with that. Are, are you doing any hardware as a service at, at Atlantic, Bill? We are doing some hardware as a service. Uh, not as much as we'd like to. We, we've found that the adoption rate in the marketplace is, is slow coming, but it's starting to gain a little bit more um, traction. Um, but, it, but it's certainly something that we strive to. Anytime you can get managed reoccurring revenue and anytime you can go deeper and wider in the account and and develop a cadence where you're replacing hardware as a result of it being a rental every 36 to 48 months. No different, and that's where some of the synergies come into play with the copiers. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes it more sticky for the business. And I, and I it just, Jeff, and I don't know if you find the same thing. And P.S. 200 million. Wow. I want to. I certainly want to be you when I grow up on the IT side. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then you'll then you'll be 60, Bill. So you won't be yeah. happy. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I, I I know what it takes to get to where we're at. So I, you know, kudos to you. But you know, I I think that there's it's it's ironic how the the marketplace when they view copiers, which is hardware, which in sense today is a server that happens to print paper, um, their their mindset is. I got to lease this 36, 48 months. And let's face it, um, copiers are important to a business. However, the infrastructure arguably is a bit more important. Mm. And yet um, the mindset in the marketplace at the end user level is they want to hold on to these servers and these switches and these SAN environments for five, six, seven plus years. And, it, and, it, and it's just, it's amazing. It's like, it's like the grandfather who has his, 1970 Pinto, and he's going for 500,000 miles, and it just does—it it doesn't make sense. So I think you know, the, 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 there's a combination of of, of training um, the salespeople, but I think there's also um, a bit of the market having to mature a little bit in that space and kind of get over um, this old school thought or this old philosophy. I don't know—I don't know how you feel about that, Jeff. Well, I think that the, the manufacturers, if you look at the Cisco's and the HP's and, and some of the other significant providers in the, well, I'll call the IT hardware space, they're moving, and Microsoft is pushing that, of course. Um, so much of it is going subscription-based, and so much of it is going per-user-based. And, and so we're seeing that people are getting more um, open to what I'll call lifecycle management of their equipment. And they, they, leasing becomes a, a better option or an increasingly better option for our clients. And so we're seeing an increase in that fair amount. And uh, sure, you're still going to have your old school IT departments. Our biggest competitor for managed services, quite frankly, isn't going to be 
the guy or the woman up and down the street. It's the IT department, internal IT department. That's our biggest competitor. And it's the kind that Bill just described where they go, yeah, we're going to keep this forever because I can add value to my job by demonstrating to my boss, you know, that I can, um, you know, I can squeeze the blood out of a turnip. But the, um, but that might not be a good practice. And so the IT decision maker is in fact what I would consider to be our, our biggest competitor when it comes to that conversion to manage. The savvy IT decision maker sees that um, if he or she focuses on core strategic parts of their IT department where they can add value to an organization, that's really, really smart. And the horizontal stuff, they can outsource to guys like Bill and I, and we'll do a better job than they can with it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you raise that because when we talk about your success, you know, obviously, you know, people, management, and execution, but I think you just hit on another key thing there which is the messaging to those IT people to try and work with them to understand that you're not trying to take their jobs away, that you're actually trying to make their lives easier and give them more time for those, you know, those core functions, right? So is that a, a pretty easier sales process? Yeah. Well, I think the, um, if you look at the company mission that we have, we've actually built it around that decision maker to help our customers effectively apply technology that contributes to their success. So when we when we articulate our, our, our mission to our prospective customers, it's to collaborate with them, to help them look good, to make that decision to use our firm or an outsource firm mm. to look good. So I think, I think that's important to recognize when you go into an engagement because too many times that IT department might get intimidated, and if it's not positioned properly, that you're trying to maybe step on some toes there. Mm-hmm. And, Bill, do you find the same thing, that having to be careful with the messaging when you're working with uh, the people? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it really starts with making sure that we're educating the salespeople. So when they go into an opportunity, they know, you know, which path they're going to walk. And especially, you know, if they're meeting with the CEO, CFO, COO, you're, you're going to have a very different type of conversation. But, you know, if you, if you find yourself in a position where you have to meet with the folks in IT, um, as Jeff alluded to, you want to, you want to go in there and, and show that, hey, you know, we can collaborate, we can help you. Um, we can help make you look good. And, and again, it also depends on the size of the organization, but where we have found a lot of success in that area is through what we call our managed security suite. Every, every company um, faces the challenge of this cyber issue, most specific uh, ransomware. So the, the IT folks, if, if they get hit, they need to know what to do, how to do it, and many of them don't. They haven't been trained. They're not getting an education from the company that they're at. And they're really not sure on how to deal with these issues other than being a weekend warrior and reading up on, online. So what we do is we go in and say, hey, look, we can provide you a managed security suite. We can monitor and manage things from a, a security standpoint just to keep it simple. And God forbid something were to happen, you've got somebody you can fall back on who knows what to do, knows how to do it. And hey, let's just say that we mess up. You have the ability to point your finger at us uh, when the yeah. C-level executives are saying, what happened and where did we go wrong? Um, so it gives them a bit of peace of mind. And, and as Jeff alluded to, that's where some of the collaboration can really come into play. And, and you know, the, the IT people, they need help, right? They're, they're being tasked to do twice as much with half the amount of resource or funding um, and I think that that's where we are a, a real good fit for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a good segue, yeah, actually, because one of the things that you mentioned uh, with security is that's obviously, you know, part of something that you can offer in a managed service engagement. But, man, 
there are so many choices. You know, the first time I heard uh, the word "quote unquote" the stack, right? When you start looking at the kinds of services that you're, you know, that you're offering, right? If you're an office equipment dealer uh, looking to get serious about uh, managed services, um, and I want to get back to the security piece, but what what are the other, you know, services that you think are, you know, uh, critical for people getting started? Well, we use. Um I would say core is the outsource help desk, which a lot of um, you know our counterparts in the in the copy print world are starting with, which is good space by the way. Mm-hmm. Voice support is one of my favorites. That's a that's just built for managed services. Technically, it's always kind of been that way. There was an aftermarket component to it that uh, now with um, from a per user standpoint or a managed services standpoint, um, that 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 lends itself really nice, and especially a lot of it's cloud based or hosted now. And then, um, you know, network security, of course, is hot, and I'll call that emerging. I mean, and only because it's, it, that's really got a nice upside. But, boy, you've got to be, as Bill can attest to, you, you, that's, that's an all-in deal. I mean, you, you've got some commitments you've got to make there with, with uh, pretty specialized personnel, but it's, it's also where they need the most help. So I would say outsource help desk, uh, voice support with their telecom, and then, uh, of course, security is an emerging good one, too. And that's interesting. I didn't hear you say, you know, desktop and that span or anything else. Is that is that core anymore? Is that just too commoditized or? No, oh, it's it's good. I mean, that's core too. I mean, you could you could you know the monitoring that. Sure, of course, that's core. I would put that in that same bucket as the outsourced help desk. It's it would be okay. core. Right. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with with Jeff uh, wholeheartedly. The only thing that. Uh, Atlantic hasn't done as of yet is get into the managed voice over IP. Um, it is it is something that that we are looking at. Um, we believe that if getting into that business, it, it may more be in the line of an acquisition rather than try to greenfield it. Because um, while it, it is very similar in, in in terms of services and within the talk track of managed services. Um, you know, we do believe that there's a different skill set um, involved with that from an engineering perspective and even from a help desk perspective. And, uh, you know, we know what we're very good at and, and we're still exploring the, the voice over IP side, but, but certainly not excluded. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, to your, when you first started this, you talked about that commitment level and being cautious until you feel you're absolutely ready to jump into that. Now, you both did mention uh, security as kind of an emerging uh, area, which is obviously pretty good. And I think I also heard that, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you can kind of do, right? So if you're doing uh, security, if it's either uh, in, intrusion or, or otherwise, that you've really got to invest in that, that piece of the puzzle. Is that right? I think, the, I think the positioning is important, too. What happens is that the, the, the customer, the client, or prospective client, they think because they're using managed services or outsourced services for their for their IT that that then that means they're never going to have a breach you know they're never going to be exposed and so I think it's important in the messaging that yes we can mitigate it but usually what ends up happening is their own people let the bad guys in and so um, yeah. you know you you, you got to represent it right and um, we can help them as organizations with education as a part of that right um, uh, what what does a bad email look like. And what should you be, you know, because educating the workplace to be good stewards of that, of those people that are trying to enter their company is important too. So I think that the, 
How you position security as to what it will do and what it won't do, I think is important in the satisfaction of the customer because about the time they think that everything's covered now because Atlantic or Marco's covering you, and then something happens and um, you had no control over it, nor was it you, nor were you ever, um, the fingers start getting pointed pretty hard. And so I think the messaging up front is very important. Hmm. And, you know, I was at a conference once, and, and James, you probably have more experience in this area than I do, obviously. But uh, I think sometimes we don't do ourselves any favor on the security side. I, I heard someone speaking about security, how important it was, and, you know, and everything else, only to finish with, and, you know, we're still not guaranteeing that you're going to be safe, right? So is that a, is that a true message? Is it really that tricky? Yes, I think it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So w w I, I agree wholeheartedly with what uh, Jeff said. It, you know, part of our messaging is it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And no matter what you do, um, you're, you're, you're still liable in terms of, of, of getting a, a breach or some form of an, an infection because there's just too many variables. Uh, you know, I read somewhere that uh, the hackers are literally releasing up to one, new, one million new variations of code a day. So it's, it's virtually impossible to keep up with. So it's, it's making sure you're putting, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's well, making sure that, yeah. I can share a personal story. I, I don't know, I, one of the things I like to do is believe in being vulnerable and honest. We had a situation with an employee, did something they weren't supposed to do, and started a cryptovirus. And my, thank God for my IT team, they caught it really quickly and were able to isolate it down to one machine, but it was on our network. You know, the one that encrypts everything and locks it down and wants a ransom? That's exactly what we're talking about. We're, we're a pretty sharp company, but it was, as you just mentioned, it's, it's your own internal people that open up that floodgate, right? Somebody getting careless. And so we, we had that happen to us, and we take great pride in, in what we do. Um, it can happen to anybody. Wow. Yeah. And it, happened to, it happened to LifeLock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you know, and, and that's and, and it goes back to the messaging when we're presenting this. I mean, we show organizations that whether it be Sony, who I would argue is pretty sophisticated, Boeing, LifeLock, a company that sells security had a breach, and so it's it's all about mitigating your risk. Number one, education is part of that risk mitigation, but also making sure that you have the right tools in place to know when there's a breach and to be able to do root cause analysis in an expeditious way to make sure that the infection doesn't get worse, spread, or, or become more impactful in a negative way. The average ransomware will lie dormant in an environment for 190 days before it unleashes its attack, and then it could take up to an average of 90 days to, to or 180 days, excuse me, to, to fully remediate the environment and so having the right tools in place to eliminate anything sitting there for any period of time and then having to remediate over any period of time longer than call it four, six, eight hours or even a day, it literally is crippling to a business and in many cases to small, medium-sized businesses, it puts them out of business. So, you know, you, you got to have the tools, you got to have somebody who has the ability to monitor it and if and when there's a breach that you have the ability to remediate it and know that it's being done correctly. And I think that you know, you've, 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 helped, you've helped me a little bit. I'm, I'm actually embarrassed to share that story, right? But I'm in great company, right? Some really big companies. But I will tell you, even just sharing that story, I could feel the tension in my chest because <laughs> I had that fear of where does this thing go? 
you know, we're about 50 employees been around a long time. And, you know, I, I had thoughts of, is this it? Is, um, is this how I'm going to die? <laughs> is this the moment? Um, and so if you can provide a service with, with honesty and integrity and proper expectations that, that helps people like me alleviate that fear when I go to bed at night, what a fantastic service. And be able to make money doing that, I mean, I just think that's an amazing thing to be able to offer. Hey, listen, well, I, can, I can provide that to you. Give me a call after the podcast and we'll sign a contract. Look at that. we got a podcast and a deal happening all at the same time. I like it. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. sleep better at night. People that help me sleep better at night tend to get my yeah, You are first in. <laughs> yeah, you are first in. You get the deal. Thanks, man. Oh, hey, and, and listen, speaking of customers, uh, another great segue, actually. Um, you know, in the office equipment space, we have a particular type of customer. And if we've been in the business long enough, we know what those look like. Uh, complexity is our friend when it comes to managed print, right? Um, when you're selling managed services, are, are you selling them to the same customers? Are they different? Like, what does the customer makeup look like for, you know, managed services opportunities versus, you know, office equipment or managed print? Well, managed print is a, um, it's, that's still a beautiful business. It's, it's interesting to me, you guys, how many times, and I buy a lot of companies that they, you know, the, the dealer will say, yeah, we do, we do a fair amount of managed print. And then you, you know, you take a real look at it and you go, that's it. <laughs> you know, so um, people aren't doing as much managed print as, as you might hear. Some people are, some, some dealers are really good at it. Most not so hot. Mm. If you have a good managed print practice, I, I think that lends itself nicely to manage IT services. And, and really, inside our company, we've got, uh, I don't know, 230 or 40 salespeople. And um, the, the greatest percentage of good leads that go to our managed service specialists in the IT space come from, you know, the, what I would call the good copier sales reps that are selling managed print services. So I think uh, huh. that, that's a component that, um, that surprises me, by the way, a little bit. And, I really um, like hearing that, Jeff, because that yeah. is one thing that I've heard from so many dealers that another reason we're not going to pursue it is because it's a completely different type of customer. It, it is different. You have to have specialists. Totally sure. do. But the, the, the best people, because they're kind of motivated to do something in addition to, you know, figuring out what the next uh, lower click rate they can put in there is. And so, huh. they, so the, the, I guess the point is, is the MPS is a, is a great opportunity area for managed IT. And, but the interesting part is we call that cross-selling. That's not a new term, obviously. It's hard to do, though. I mean, like, it sounds really, really yeah. simple, and it's not that easy, but that's okay. You know, if it's easy, then it's commoditized right away. So cross-selling is absolutely a, a great strategy. Executing on it is hard, but it's a, it's a good one. And remind me to, to, to talk about this a little later, because you mentioned something that's important there, is that cross-selling is important, uh, but that the the sale itself is different. Uh, so I want to jump into that a little bit more after. Hey, West, we, yeah. before you jump into that, if I may add something, because I think this is an important point, right? Because we've got some titans on the phone and people might be thinking, oh, can I do this? Can I pull this off? Um, and, you know, most of our clients are managed service clients from Tiger Paw. And uh, a lot of them in converged spaces and they're, do, they're doing a lot of different things. But the reality is what, what a lot, I wish the office equipment dealers could really understand is, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that have happened to reduce that barrier to entry, like the help desk. We talked about the help desk. There are partners that you can work with to outsource that. You don't have to staff up immediately. And we can talk about you need to have a point person to manage it. And, you know, there's a lot of things you got to do. But there's ways to get in. But when it comes to that sales side, I am really impressed by the sales acumen of the average office equipment dealer. I mean, they literally have sales teams. A lot of managed service providers don't have sales teams. These are technicians 
you know, it, it, like in the book, The E-Myth, that had the entrepreneurial seizure, right? I mean, they, they were working for somebody, and then they decided to help a buddy by laying some cable, and the next thing you know, they put in a phone system, and they've got their own company. And they're amazing people, amazing business owners. But from a competition standpoint, sales area is one area I think the office equipment dealers have got a huge advantage if they can figure out how to leverage going into the managed services space. That's what I've observed. Yeah, I completely agree. When you look at the average uh, managed services provider, yeah. uh, they're typically... Uh, not to be insulting, but I would say lifestyle businesses, uh, whereas uh, companies in the office equipment world uh, tend to be very sales-focused, very growth-focused, and much larger organizations. And, and Bill, maybe you can share with us. So, so Jeff is saying there's a great cross-selling opportunity with, with his uh, managed print group and his office equipment space uh, moving uh, leads into the managed services side. Are you seeing the same thing, or are you selling to different types of customers? What's it look like at Atlantic? Yeah, not to not to beat the horse. I mean, you know, just to echo Jeff's comments, we're we're seeing the same thing. The the folks that are out there uh, pounding the pavement, who are taking the approach of of more of a consultative managed services type of sale, um, are the ones that uh, we find are, are being more successful. Um, I shouldn't say more successful, right? Because how do you measure success? There's somebody who's selling a lot of copiers. We, we still love that. I'm not going to discredit that or, or take anything away. Sure. But there are some some folks who have been more successful in terms of selling and finding more opportunity for managed IT because of the way that they're selling and going in and taking a little bit more of a consultative approach. Yeah, and you know it's interesting when you talk about that type of. Uh, sales rep, they're certainly out there, and uh, hopefully you guys will back me up the next time we're at a at a one of the industry events, and and somebody says you can't sell managed services to a managed print customer. So, because I, I really do believe it, and it's really nice to hear that uh, from you both that that's an important part of how you move, you know, additional business. Um, and speaking of the business itself, do you uh, have your managed services group uh, under the umbrella of your? Managed print and office equipment group, or do you have them set up with separate P&Ls? Like, what? How do you do that? I've heard a few times that it's a different kind of business, it's a different kind of sale. Um, so, is it the same people that are uh, that are selling it, or do you have uh, completely separate, um, you know, walls between those two businesses? For us you know, at Atlantic, it's, it's separate. Yeah, yeah, ours is very separate. We we have. Um, the managed IT services rolls up into what we would call our IT company, and um, but it is interesting because the the um, even though like I mentioned earlier, and I will support you at any of those industry events, by the way. <laughs> Thank the you. Great, great, great lead sources are those copier and printer and managed print services uh, reps are really good at it. But you absolutely, and this is where the dealers fall down so often. They try to convert somebody that was, well, I, you probably could, but they really have to cut the cord on the on the copier side and really have to focus, get paid on, get measured on, have P&L responsibility for the managed services practice because that is a that's a beautiful business. It's actually a better business than the IT or than the copier business for two reasons. One, it's a growth in it's a growth industry. Yeah. It grows about 20% a year organically. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you don't have to be that smart to figure out what uh, the copier industry growth rate is. And then second, from an equity creation standpoint or value creation standpoint in your enterprise, that, that's a multiple um, significantly above what a copier dealership valuation would be put at. And if I find a strong managed IT services company, it will sell for uh, at least two more multiples of EBITDA than what the copier group does for really? the good stuff. Wow. Absolutely. 
So that's the dabblers. The people that are dabbling in it, you know, a lot of people say they're doing managed services, and you go in there, they're doing 300 grand. Well, that doesn't even count. That's a hobby. And so, <laughs> um, if you're if you're in the business and you're doing, you know, 10% of your business, 20% of your business, beautiful if it's 30. If it's a real business, you will get rewarded for that from an equity value standpoint, and from uh, and that and we've really um, and we're willing to pay for it. But so, so is a complete another industry willing to pay for it. Well, I mean, you you have both. Uh, succeeded with managed services, which is why we're doing this call in the first place. So that is, you know, it's clear that the opportunity is there. And I know you don't want to create competitors, but as they say, it's a long way from, you know, receiving advice and taking action. <laughs> but if you had one piece of advice for, you know, dealers that are that are listening to this podcast, there's going to be a few, some that have already tried it and failed, and others that are, you know, just looking to dip their toes in the water. If there's one piece of advice in closing that you would you give them, what would it be? And maybe Bill, we'll start with you. So really, like we mentioned in the, in the beginning, you have to make sure that uh, leadership is 100% um, vested um, in, in the people. And as Jeff mentioned, you, you got to make the investment from the financial standpoint. Um, it's a learning process. You need to, you need to be patient. Um, and again, I can't, I can't stress this enough. You got to be all in. And you have to have somebody in a leadership position where, as Jeff also mentioned, when they wake up in the morning, that's, that's what's on their mind. Their, their success is measured by the success of the, of the managed services program. Um, otherwise, it's, it's, it, it, it doesn't work. And you can equate that to the managed print. It's no different. And Wes, you know, when you and I worked together years ago um, in, in two different capacities, and we were doing those road shows, we, we were delivering the same message to the dealer community that if you're going to get into managed print, you can't <laughs> yeah. get into it half-hearted. Either you're all in, you're going to have a team that is focused and dedicated on it, you're going to have a P&L that you're going to be able to manner, uh, manage and measure to, and, and you have to have a stakeholder who ultimately is responsible for the success of the program. It's it's no different. History repeats itself. It does. See, you're you're the youngest one on the call today, uh, but old enough uh, to remember that lesson. And it's funny. I remember that very specifically. You know, when people were saying that managed print uh, was a distraction, right? And yeah. yeah, it's really incredible how history repeats itself. And uh, Jeff, what about yourself? If you had yeah, one, yeah, okay. Advice? Well, those are those are really good points that Bill made, and he is right. History repeats itself. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the oldest guy in the call, so I can go back to typewriters. <laughs> and a lot of the dealers, and, and this will be my answer here, but a lot of the dealers in the typewriter days were thinking, well, it's, it'll go in decline, but it's not going to go away. And um, they maybe made the transition over to word processing, and, mm. but they didn't, make it, they didn't make it to the PC very well, and ultimately to the networking, and they missed that. And so um, the, th the same thing is going to happen here. This is, in, in my opinion, and I've seen it over and over again through my acquisition work that I do, is there's the dealers are the copier dealers are in a very mature industry. There is an inflection point that's happening right now. It's not going to be next year or 10 years from now or five years from now. It's, it's real time. This is real time mm -hmm. stuff. And we're, whenever something starts to go into permanent decline, and, 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 and it is, people are not printing more. They're printing less. That's just a fact, especially in, you know, you can find some pockets of opportunity in there, but if you took escalators out of our business, you know, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't be growing it at all to speak of. And so you're in a flat business. And when you're in a flat business, 
as a leader, as the executive, as the CEO or the owner, you have to start diversifying or you're just, you're just not going to be long for the world. Then you might as well sell to a guy like me or to Bill. Um, <laughs> and so if you're not going to do managed services and you're not um, willing to commit, and commit means, again, designated people, which means money and tools. And if you're not going to make those commitments to people and the money and, and, and the ability to execute on it, I think you should think about selling your business. And that's not a plug for me as an acquisition guy. I'm just, I'm just doing you a favor and, and telling people that's what they should do. On the other hand, if you're committed to it, there's a couple ways you can do it. Bill and I have um, decided to do it ourselves, and I think that's more valuable uh, when it comes time to creating value in your organization or your enterprise. But you can also, you know, if you wanted to, you can put your toe in the water. You can do the continuum thing, the collaborance thing, or the all-covered thing and resell it. And you know what? That's a, that's a way to do it. It won't create the value I talked about earlier in your organization, but it's a way to do it. If you're not, um, if you're not diversifying your business, you are actually um, putting yourself in, in, in really great jeopardy to exist long-term. Yeah, it's so interesting. You say that because you're, you know, obviously one of the largest companies uh, in the space, uh, in the world, and and you're. It sounds like you're giving that warning. It's like, well, it's not a question of should should you maybe think about it. You you need to diversify into the services. Well, it's such a good business. Why wouldn't you do that? You know, other than yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to get in the copier, uh, the copier industry when you did it. This is this is akin to that. You know, you need people and staffing and truck, all that kind of stuff, tools. Of course. One thing, one thing I'd like to let people realize is the managed services space is a phenomenal it's, – it's, it's a fascinating space compared to others I've seen because of the wealth of knowledge that's available. If you want to learn how to market managed services, there's an organization you can join. You know, if you want to learn how to sell, there are, there are user groups. You can go to all sorts of IT conferences to learn this. So the road has been paved out there. Others have done this before you. So you know, one of my advices is don't try to go it alone. Um, there is, it's a space that is just full of people and information on how to get started. And so I would say take, take advantage of that. Leverage your peer group. Um, you know, get involved in other groups that are outside your comfort zone on the IT side. But just realize you shouldn't have to invent anything. It's a matter of learning from what's out there and figuring out how to apply it to your own business. Yeah, that's a really great ad uh, that this may be new for – Obsquibit dealers, but it's certainly not a new uh, space, and there's lots of ecosystems and partners out there that you can work with uh, to make it easier. Well, I can't thank everyone enough for you know being on this podcast uh, today. So I wish you uh, the best uh, in the rest of your days uh, selling. And uh, for all of our listeners, uh, if you have any further questions, you can certainly uh, come to uh, the Tiger Paw website and reach out to us directly. And until next time, thank you for listening to Tiger Paw Radio. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.